we're at different places in our leadership journey. Some of you are right where I was 40 years ago, and your knees are knocking, and the question that you're asking is, can I do this? We're all rookies, facing new problems every day. The only choice is if we're going to operate with rookie smarts. You know, if you want your team to stay relevant, lead your team into the unknown. The pathway to your greatest potential is straight through your greatest fear. If God is calling me to do this, then he will give me what it takes to get it done. Longevity is perhaps the greatest strength that anyone can have as a leader. I'm a huge believer in everything the church can be. The church is resilient. I mean, it just keeps going forward. Most great leaders do not start as great leaders. They grow into great leaders. The critical question is, will you do whatever it takes to scale your leadership as the demands of your enterprise grow? The fastest way to change the feedback culture in any organization is for the leaders to become better receivers. If you don't know what you need to work on as a leader, you know who does? Everybody else. But you have to ask. One of the big blind spots that we have is that many of us wander around thinking we're givers when we're actually takers. Instead of thinking of success like a game of battleship as takers do, givers are much more likely to ask, how could I become the rising tide that lifts all boats? The power of diversity is so great that diverse teams outperform smarter and more capable teams. For most leaders, the object of leadership is their own success. You will not find the definition of success until you help people to succeed. Art really isn't about drawing, it's about learning to see. And which businesses or which professions do you not want to have enhanced abilities to see? If you are brave enough, often enough, you are going to fail. There is nothing more dangerous to the critics and the cynics than those of us who are willing to fail because we've learned how to get back up. You don't have to leave it all on the field. Christ left it all on the cross. The work is not about your name. It's about his name. It's about you bringing what you have, dumb ideas and all, saying, Lord, what I have, it may not be much, but that that it is, I give it back to you. We leaders, we have forfeited the right to make excuses. You're there to accomplish, you're there to lead, lead toward the right direction, come to work, not to work, come to work to be part of a purpose. So in recent days, I have been reminded afresh just how much leadership matters. It matters in every industry. It matters across all disciplines. So leaders, I'm asking you again this year, step it up. Because if you do, the toys will get over the mountain, missions will get accomplished, and the God we serve will receive the glory. Well, that video is the perfect setup for the sermon in which uh, you're going to hear today and where we're going. Today I want to talk to you about developing the leader within you. See, when we develop the leader that is within us, 
God has a greater potential to use you. When you develop the leader within you, God has the ability to ignite a passion inside of you and ignite a purpose through you. That's what God does. God looks for you and me to desire to become all that he wants for us to be. So today we're going to be talking about leadership. But before we do that, let me introduce myself. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. If you're a guest here with us, thank you for coming today. I'm so glad you came. You're sitting right now in one of three locations, one of four worship services that we have every single Sunday morning. So if you look around and you're like, wow, man, uh, there's some space for more to come. Perfect. That's exactly what we want. We want space for more to come so that we can keep inviting people along in this most exciting journey, this journey of discovering who Jesus is and letting our life be transformed by him. So let me say a big hello to those worshiping with us live right now down in the venue. I love those guys down there. It's exciting. God's doing great things in the lives of people down there. Um, and uh, you know, Pastor Nate is our campus pastor down there. He's doing an incredible job. I also want to say a big hello to those guys worshiping with us out in North Platte. Uh, I'm so excited about what God's been doing this past year and a half out there. And uh, Pastor Dave and Tiff out there, those guys are doing an incredible job of providing leadership so that our church continues to flourish, continues to grow, and it continues to allow us you know, to reach more and more people with the cause of Christ. So this leadership uh, concept one of the things that I want you to know about is I want you to write this down. I want you to maybe go in your bulletin and pull out the bulletin insert or, you know, go to your smartphone. I want you to write down these two dates and I want you to reserve these two dates and I don't want you to let anything, anything interrupt these two dates, August 11th and 12th. I want you to write down August 11th and 12th. Maybe you just go into your smartphone right now and just block it out. You would want to write in there, Global Leadership Summit. It's so important that I want you to write it down now because August is going to come quickly, right? But we're advertising this thing right now. We're advertising it because we as a church, we believe that when we build leaders, that we're better equipped to build God's kingdom. Like I, I believe literally that leaders, they make or they break organizations. You know, when it comes to the church, if we build healthy leaders in the church, then we make or we break the mission of God. When we build healthy leaders, we make it. When we don't focus on building healthy leaders, then we break it. The same thing goes true for the place that you work and who you lead. You know, whatever business it is that you're a part of, it, fall, it rises and it falls on leaders. That's another piece that I have a firm, solid belief on, that success, it rises when leaders get better and when leaders plateau and, <clears throat> and leaders don't continue to develop you know, their heart and their skills and their abilities, then the whole organization begins to, begins to fall. So it rises on great leadership. It falls on poor leadership. But another critical piece is this, that I believe that growing leaders, they get to lead growing people. And see, that's the crux of Christianity. The crux of Christianity is that a Christ-centered believer would continue to grow in their spiritual leadership so that they can help others grow in a relationship with God. And if it works in the kingdom of God, it also works where you are at. That when you're growing as a supervisor, as a leader, you're growing as a manager, when you're growing and you're developing your leadership skills inside of you, then you get to invest into and develop growing people. And I'm just going to tell you right now, people that work underneath you, right, if they feel like they are growing, then that's a, better, that's a better employee. 
That's someone that's actually going to go someplace. So when a leader gets better, check this out, everybody wins. Everybody wins. So I want you to mark down August 11th and 12th because what you just saw was a sampling of the types of speakers that are going to be here at our Kearney campus as well as our North Platte campus. We're going to be a part of a very large network of you know, churches and facilities around the United States, in fact, around the world, where hundreds of thousands of leaders are going to come together in one simulcast broadcast scenario where um, it's being projected live from the main campus in, in Chicago, and it'll be live right here in Kearney and in North Platte. It's going to be something that you're not going to want to miss. I'm going to talk to you, you know, more about it. You'll hear about it. Today is a really special day for that. But you might be sitting here today going, well, that's great, Jeff. Leadership is awesome, but I'm not a leader. Well, I just think maybe we need to start with then defining what a leader is. A leader can be simply defined by one word, influence. Influence. So what that means is that if you are a father here today, that means that you're, you're married, most likely, and, and if not, you know, I understand, but you're married and you got some kids Listen, you're a leader because you're influencing your home. What does the home feel like? What is the home being led like, right? If you're a mom here today and you're, you're trying to raise, raise your children, you're a leader because you have influence. Obviously, if you're a manager, a supervisor, an entrepreneur, you are a leader. So basically, everybody has some level of leadership that they are exercising in this world. If you're a young adult today and you're like, I haven't ever been given an opportunity to lead yet, but I desire it, then this Global Leadership Summit is something you're going to want to be a part of. And today, as I talk about leadership, you're going to want to glean from this because it's going to help you become the person God wants you to be. In all of our lives, we've experienced great leaders. I know that I have. You know, in my life, as an example, my father, My father is the greatest leader I know. He taught me all kinds of things about leadership. From the simplest things like, you know, shake a hand and have a firm handshake, Jeff. Don't have one of those limp fish handshakes. Right? If you're a limp fish handshake person, stop it. All right? Knock it off. No one likes to shake a hand where people are like, like that. All right? Step up to the plate. But he also told me, listen, when you shake the hand of a woman, don't squeeze down on it. This is, not a, this is not an expression of your manlyhood to show somebody how strong you are. Right? When you talk to people, look them in the eye. Right? Look them in the eye. Give people respect. Talk to me about posture all the time. Standing straight. Right? This is before I ever even went into the military. Straight. You know, chest out, head up. You know, I got it. I got it, Dad. I would stand like this all the time, you know, like this. And he'd be like, your shoulders, your shoulders, right? And so, man, I'd correct those things, bring them back. What, what was that all about? All of that was trying to develop to try to pass on to me, you know, the leader. You know, he showed me what it was like to make a deal, right? I don't need somebody else to write the book, The Art of the Deal. I already know it. My dad taught it to me because he is the best leader I know. Right? My dad taught me how to manage the finances. He taught me how to treat women. He taught me how to you know, deal with employees. He showed me what it was like to start a business. He showed me what it was like to have to work long, hard hours because no one else is necessarily going to get the job done you know, when you're in the early stages. You either get in there and make it happen or you don't. My dad also taught me simple things about leadership like, hey, Jeff, seriously, you're going to want this mint. You're going to want it. 
right? Because your breath is going to drive somebody away right now. The simple things, the complex things. I'm excited to say that my dad is the greatest leader I know. My question to you, though, is this. Are your kids saying that about you? Are your kids getting their, their tone in life from you? Are your kids getting, or the next generation getting the pace of life, getting the, the fortitude of life? Are they getting that from you? Are you passing that down to them? Or are they having to go and get that from someplace else? It doesn't matter how old you are today. A leader is someone that's constantly developing. A leader is someone who's constantly letting God do what God wants to do in their life. Why? Because a leader is somebody who wants to continuously be positioned for an ignition of God's passion in their life and an ignition of God's purpose to be lived through their life. Another great leader that influenced me is Pastor Bob Wine. You know, he's like a second father to me. That man taught me a lot. He taught me you know, some of the integrity pieces of ministry. You know, he, he taught me what it was like to, you know, care about God's money greater than you care about your money. He taught me what it was like to find truth in the midst of every conflict, right? That everybody's going to agree with you, and somewhere in the midst of that, there's going to be one little sliver of truth. They might say a hundred things, but one of those words might be the piece that God wants you to hang on to, Jeff. He taught me a lot about managing even a staff and about having you know, biblical integrity, about how to study God's word and how to reflect on God's scripture, how to be a man of prayer. But I think one of the great things that he taught me was, no matter how old you get, there's still more to grow in. No matter how much you achieve, there's still more that God wants to develop in your heart, that you never arrive And so one of the reasons why Pastor Bob Wine, who was the lead pastor of this church for 30 plus years, is one of the great leaders of my life, is because he never stops growing. He never stops trying to grab a hold of what God's trying to do in his life today. So when leaders develop, when leaders develop, they position themselves to see God do something supernatural in them and through them. And that's what really brings me to this last sermon of this Ignition teaching series today. Today the title is this, T-1. This is the last week. You know how the countdown goes for a rocket launch. It started, you know, it started on, you know, whatever week one was at T-4 or whatever that was. And it's counted down to one. And after the end of this sermon today, and when you get ready to walk out of these doors, the countdown clock will literally be at T-0. And you're going to have to make a decision of whether you're going to let your life be ignited by God's purpose and passion and go out and make a difference for him, or you're going to keep living your life maybe for yourself today. There's some things that we know about God. We know this about God. This is concrete truth with evidence to back it up. God wants to ignite your life with a passion for him, full of his presence, walking out his purpose. I know that without a shadow of a doubt, there's nothing you can do today that makes God want to do that more, and there's nothing you can do today to make God want to do that less. That's a constant. So God has stepped up to the line today, and he says, I want to ignite your life with my passion. I want to ignite your life for my purpose. So that means today, as we're quickly coming to T minus zero, spiritual ignition is waiting for you to give it all go all in. T minus zero, and ignition happens. It happens when, not when God does more, 
But when we surrender all, and we surrender, we give our lives, and we say, God, I've been hanging on to these pieces, trying to lead my life, you know, on my own. I'm giving it to you. God, I've been living my life with this belief, this unforgiveness, or whatever this issue is. I'm giving it up, and I want you to have greater control of my life. That's where we're at today. So as we wrap up today's teaching series, I want to focus in on the greatest leader who has ever lived ever on planet earth. This man is a man who literally modeled for us what it means to give it all. His name is Jesus. And I want to look today at just a couple of the essential leadership, you know, um, leadership principles that Jesus led by that are important for you and me to lead by as well if we're going to be ignited by God's Spirit. Developing our leader in us and exercising God's leadership through us. And so I'm going to jump in and talk about a couple of these things, but I do need to let you know that, man, there's so many of these things I could have gone to today. It could have, it could have turned into a whole nother teaching series that would have lasted like for the rest of the day. All right. So just to be gracious to you, we're going to talk about a couple of them. Um, and then I got a special guest who's going to be communicating with me in this teaching series, uh, this, this sermon today. So let's just jump in. What is what is maybe the first leadership principle that we can model our life after that Jesus showed us? And that would be this, Jesus empowered leaders. You know the attitude of the do it all yourself or you know, give it away to capable people who can do it for you? And you know the balance that's with that and the challenge that's with it? Right? Jesus knew what it was like to empower people to be a part of the mission to do great things with him. Similar to like parents today. Parents, if you're here, and you are empowering your kids to help keep the house clean. Congratulations. You're doing a good thing. I know it feels like pulling teeth sometimes, okay? I know that you're, you're looking for your kid to somehow become maybe normal that would want to ask you for more responsibilities around the house. That's probably not going to happen, right? But you, you keep encouraging them to be a part of it because in the end we know, we know this. It's not just that we want our kids to go off to college and you know, keep the room clean. It's that we want them to feel like they're a part of, they're ownership with, that we're using this to bring discipline and teaching to their life. That's good. That's empowering them. Keep doing that. If you're a manager today and you're, you've empowered the people that work for you and you're holding them accountable, great. That's what you ought to do. We should be looking for people that are capable giving them responsibilities, not so that we slack off, but that we can reinvest that amount of time into other people, into other resources, into other development. So you give it away, and then you hold them accountable. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just give responsibility. Jesus also held people accountable. Ephesians chapter 4 instructs us as pastors to do something that's profound. God's word says, Pastor Jeff, go and empower or equip the people to do the work of the ministry. That's my job. My job is to figure out how to empower you, how to equip you, so that you can get in the game, carry the ball, score a touchdown for God. I'm not, I'm not the guy that's supposed to throw, throw all the, you know, the touchdown passes and then run quickly down there and then catch the ball and then spike the ball and then high-five myself. Right? I might throw the ball... But you catch the ball, and you score the touchdown. That's what God wants to see happen. He wants you to be empowered so that you can be a part of the ministry. And Jesus knew this as well. 
And Jesus was empowering people that were around him. I find it very interesting that the Son of God realized he can't do it all by himself. And if he couldn't accomplish his mission all by himself, how in the world do you and I think we can accomplish our mission by ourselves? Right? I know that it's easier sometimes when we're looking at a task and we're looking at the people that are standing there to help us, sometimes it's just easier to go, I'm just going to do this myself. Because I wanted to get done right the first time. Now, I know none of you have ever said that before. Right? None of you have ever said, I'm going to just do it myself because I want it done right the first time. I am so thankful that Jesus didn't have that same approach. If Jesus would have had that approach, he would have gone to the cross, he would have gone to the grave, he would have rose from the grave, and he would have ascended into heaven, and that's where the Bible ends. But because he empowered people that were around him, those people carried on the mission after Jesus accomplished his part. I think that's pretty cool. So an example of what I'm talking about with Christ is in Mark chapter 3. Take a look at this. It says that Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. That's very important. And they came to him. He appointed, he appointed 12. 12. He designated them, though, as apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to do what? To preach. And to have authority to drive out demons. I mean, super cool. Here's Jesus. Jesus preaches, thousands of people come. You know what you and me would do with leadership? We would give away like a certain portion of it, of the responsibility, and then we would hang on to some pieces that make us still look really good. Like, I can't give away everything, can I? Give away the authority to preach? Oh, and give away the authority to drive out demons? I mean, come on. That's my signature move. Right? That's Jesus. That's my signature move, man. I, I come into town, I heal, I drive out demons. Why would I want these jokers to be able to do that? Who's going to want me to come? But that's not the approach that Jesus took. Jesus was like, let me tell you, let me tell you what I do. Let me show you what I do, and let me train you to do the same. Let me empower you to do the same. That's the kind of empowerment Jesus did. Jesus wasn't, you know, insecure, wondering to himself if people, you know, can do all these same things that he can do that then he's not wanted. No, Jesus looked at that and went, that's awesome. And that's why Jesus took them and he moved them from being a disciple to an apostle. He moved them from being a follower or a learner to someone that was sent, a sent one. That means he moved them from the pew and put them up onto this platform and said, preach. He moved them from somebody that was just being prayed for and turned them into someone who was praying for others. That's what we should be about. I'm so proud of like an example of this. Pastor Dave out in uh, North Platte, our campus pastor. I'm so proud of that guy. I remember back when I pastored in Omaha at Flatland Church. Dave used to sit, you know, just over here to the side. And he, he was just a part of the service. And he was just there and he was coming and he was growing and, you know, Dave, Dave was growing in his faith. And then all of a sudden one day, Dave's a part of children's ministry. And he's volunteering in children's ministry. And then Dave is using his guitar and he's volunteering on the worship team. And then as, as he continues to grow, Dave, Dave goes and becomes the, one of our children's kind of pastors and oversees all of children's ministry. And then later on, after you know a little time goes by and we need him to be a worship leader, then Dave becomes one of the worship leaders at our East Campus. And 
Dave just keeps growing until the point where we go, Dave, we need you to be the campus pastor over the entire East location. And he did that. And then I moved here and I went, we're going to plant North Platte. Who in the world am I going to ask to come? I'm going to ask the guy who God allowed me to be a part of his life to take him from the learner who sat in the pew and got up onto the stage and became part of the solution. I want that guy. I want that guy. I want to keep empowering that guy. And now Dave is out there in North Platte, and I guarantee you, North Platte people are cheering right now for Dave, right? Because he is, he's God's man, sent for this very hour, this very moment, and he went from a campus pastor to a church planter, and God's continuing to use him. So please know this today, no matter whether you're in North Platte, the venue, or here in the main auditorium, you might be sitting in the pew right now, but God has great things for you in the future. You might be sitting there right now, but God's wanting to take you from the follower and turn you into the sent one. And that means we have to be people that are willing to empower other leaders to do great things. So here's how you work it out. Here's how you flush it out. If you got somebody that can do a task that you have, 80% as good of, as you can do it, give it to them. Yeah. I mean, if there's somebody around you that can do what you do at 80% capacity, give it to them. Let them do it because it's going to free you up to go do other things. Now, don't just leave them there because they still have a 20% deficit, right? So they need your continued training. They need your continued development. They need your continued prayer. They they need your continued support. But what they don't need is because you recognize their 20% deficit, they don't need you to micromanage them. Everybody needs to have the ability to fail because in our failures we learn. Everybody needs to have the ability to succeed because in our success, then it builds a confidence inside of us. And if we're Christ-centered, it builds a Christ-centered confidence in us that allows us and helps us to accomplish more for God. You continue to be their catch net. That's what we do. That's what we try to do around here. Try to empower somebody, and then we got people there that can be the catch net. That means if you start to fail, you start to fall, it all starts to fall apart, somebody can step in and go, hey, listen, let me help you out with this. Let me help fix this little piece. Let me help coach you through this. You're the catch net. Here's another thing about empowering people, though. It's not just giving things away. It's, it's also about speaking life into others. Speak life into people. Take a look at what Proverbs says about it. It says the tongue has the power of what? Life and If you've ever had a supervisor that spoke death into you, you know what I'm talking about right now. If you ever had a supervisor that just berated, tore down, criticized, could only bring bring the criticism and never bring the encouragement, you know what I'm talking about right now. But the tongue also has the ability to bring what? Life. If you're going to empower people, You're going to release people. You're going to help people become all that they want to be. Speak life into them. Use your tongue to speak life. If you use your tongue to speak honest, truthful, encouraging words, you will build up a bank of wealth inside of them that gives you the right to speak the word that has to bring correction. But if all you're known for is the person that speaks the word that brings correction... You're not going to be developing leaders that really change the world. In fact, you're probably, you're probably running away the greatest leaders around you. So let's be people that empower others through giving responsibility away and speaking life into them just like Christ would do. Here's another thing that Jesus did that we can model our lives after is that, that Jesus modeled a servant leadership. 
Servant leadership. See, most leadership where you work is probably kind of like this triangle here. Uh, Craig, if you pull up that, that triangle really quick. It's probably more like this. Leaders and then followers. It's a top-down kind of a model, right? Where, where it's like the boss and then everyone else. And that's not bad in theory. It actually works kind of good in accountability because now these followers know that they're accountable to that leader. But where it all falls apart and it becomes devastating is when people climb the ladder of leadership just to gain more power. And you know what I'm talking about because some of you are those people. Some of us have been those people. Some of us work for those people. It's never fun when you got someone that's like a father who rules a family with an iron fist. It's never fun to work under somebody that's the leader with the iron fist. Right? You know what I mean? The top down, like I've earned my rights to be this person. I've climbed high enough, fast enough, and hard enough that I've earned my rights to act this way. You will submit to me or you can pack your bags and go someplace else. Well, that's such an encouraging environment of leadership. It just makes me want to show up to work. It makes me want to take a risk. It makes me want to, you know, give my best. It makes me want to be creative. Of course it doesn't. Just like a father in a home that rules with an iron fist. He doesn't have content kids. He doesn't probably have a wife that's full of joy. And he's really unwilling to even hear what could happen if you just change the way that he would lead. Jesus came and he flipped everything upside down. He says, I'm more about servant leadership, where the the more you want to be a leader, the lower you become. The more that you aspire to influence and affect and change others, you need to realize you're becoming lowly. You're coming down to a point where you minister to people. You minister to their needs. You care about them. You show compassion to them. That's what Jesus is telling us. Jesus defined this in Mark chapter 10 when he said these words. It says that Jesus called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers or as leaders of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, don't they? They just trumpet upon them because it's a hierarchy of who can get to the top, top of the pyramid. And they're high officials, they exercise authority over them. But Jesus said this, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? servant. And whoever wants to be first, whoever wants to be a leader, must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to be a great leader? You want to be first? Then in your heart, you're going to have to be willing to become the slave of all. It's just the opposite in the way our world presents itself. True godly leadership serves. It climbs the ladder and it recognizes that the higher that you go in whatever it is that God's gifted your hands to do, the more humble you need to become, the more dependent on Christ we need to become, the more compassionate that we really truly need to become. And let me just tell you this today, this is a heart issue. This is not an organization issue. You can't sit out there today and blame the organization that you work for for your bad leadership. This servanthood issue is an issue of the heart. It's not about the organization. You can't go, well, man, if the organization would just change, I could treat my people differently. No, you can treat your people differently if you choose to. Jesus did. 
Well, they were trying to raise him up and prop him up. They even wanted him to be king. And what does he do for his guys? Washes their feet. What does he do for humanity? Goes to the cross and dies. So what's God asking out of us if we're going to be great leaders? We have to be willing to become the least of these and practice the type of things that are found in Philippians chapter 2, where it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, right? That's what a lot of earthly leaders do. Instead, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Servant leadership, it recognizes something that's vital. It recognizes that people are more important than product. If you want to become a great leader, care more about people than you do product. The product will end up taking care of itself. If you care more about product and not people, then you just told everybody what your greatest resource is. When you care about people and you invest into people, you find people that are willing to go to the ends of the earth for you, just like Jesus did with his disciples. And those disciples, they gave their life for the cause and the mission that Jesus instilled in them. They gave their life. People are probably not going to give their life for you physically, but they will give their life for you in in the sense of a resource, serving you with loyalty, serving you with the best. If you will just fight against the process of of our unhealthy society and become the least as God elevates you to be the greatest. Well, in wrapping up you know, the sermon today, I want to take you to a snapshot of a video from uh, Bill Hybels. He's the lead pastor of Willow Creek Community Church. It's from his church that the Global Leadership Summit will be broadcast. This is from a past Global Leadership Summit event. I want to give you a taste of what some of the teaching and some of the leadership empowerment, uh, what, what it's like when you're at a Global Leadership Summit event. Um, But I also wanted to show you this because he does a great job of illustrating something for us. Jesus is still leading today. And he's going to help you understand how you can team up with the leadership of Christ today. So please, would you please watch this video? A couple of years, one more question has been ricocheting around in the back of my brain when I least expected it. Probably because there's so much chaos and evil going on in our world these days. And it comes in question form. Will the local church, the hope of the world, be able to sustain itself until the end of time? This is an interesting question. Don't answer it too quickly. I remind you that whole empires made up of hundreds of millions of people were thought to be permanent fixtures of history. Forces until the end of time. But they're curiously absent from today's landscape. The Persian Empire, gone. The Roman Empire, gone. The Ottoman Empire, gone. Who would have thought they'd ever completely disappear? And what about multi-billion dollar multinational corporations that we all grew up with and thought, were convinced actually they'd make it to the end of history, but they didn't. They're gone. Standard Oil, Nabisco, Texaco, Eastern Airlines, Blockbuster, the list could go on and on and on. Who would have thought that those institutions with thousands of employees, hundreds of millions of dollars of assets, could just evaporate? And yet, they did. So what gives us any confidence that this thing called the church can outlast empires and dynasties and worldwide companies? Maybe we need to go back to where we started. Matthew 16, 18. 
I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, what gives me confidence anyway that the church will outlive and outlast every other organization, dynasty, and empire is who it is that's actually building it, who it is that's sustaining it and regenerating it and recreating it from age to age, who's protecting it throughout history. And that's none other than Jesus himself, God's son, second person of the Trinity, sustainer of the church until the end of time. And almost... Almost 40 years ago, when I was sitting in that college classroom listening to Dr. B talk, to, talk about these kinds of things, as Jesus was saying, I'm going to build my church, Dr. B would say, don't you realize this is the only thing that Jesus is doing between now and the end of history? He's only building the church. He's not directing the angelic choir. They're singing fine without him. He's not fretting about the planet spinning out of their orbit because they're behaving nicely. He's not taking long wa- naps or, or doing crossword puzzles. He's full-time focused 24-7 on the building of his church, the hope of the world. And he's building it in Singapore, in Sydney, in Mumbai, Mexico City, in Shanghai, and in Chicago. He knows it's the hope of the world. He understands. And I hope you understand. I really do. That one of the greatest privileges in all of life is when Jesus taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, Phil, hey, Brian, hey, Jason, hey, Ashley, hey, Melinda, I have a critical role for you to play as I'm building my church in this world. And part of the reason I called you to myself and redeemed you from sin and gifted you with spiritual gifts and prepared you your whole life was for you to be able to step into this particular critical role in the church that I'm building here in New York or Manila or Beijing or Buenos Aires. I need you, Brian. I need you, Phil. I need you, Ashley. I need you, Melinda. Will you join me as I build my church? It's the hope of the world, you know. Friends, if you have ever felt that kind of tap on your shoulder or that prompting in your spirit from Jesus, the Savior of the world, to join him in building his church. And if you're a Christian, you should have already felt that tap at some point in your life or maybe you're feeling it right now. For God's sake, how do you say no to an invitation like that? How do you blow that off? Please help me understand How do you say, hey, God, even though you're building your church, uh, technically the hope of the world, I'm pretty busy building my thing. I'm pretty interested in my career, my reputation, my golf game, my net worth, my retirement fund. So, hey, Jesus, how about you go ahead and keep building your church? I'll keep building what I'm building. Really? Don't be that guy. You'll regret it forever. Don't be that woman. Don't be that student. That's never made sense to me. How someone can say they love God and when he taps them on the shoulder, invites them into the greatest endeavor going on on the planet, they go, no thanks, I'm building my thing. It doesn't compute. I hope it never does. In my view, the morning prayer of every sincere Christ follower on planet Earth should be, God, 
This new day, I freshly commit myself to the role you've invited me to play as you're building your church in this world. I'm awestruck again this morning, God, that you would include me in this grand, life-giving, world-transforming endeavor called the church. So today, I joyfully offer you again my love, my heart, my talents, my energy, my creativity, my faithfulness, my resources, and my gratitude. I commit all of myself to the role you've assigned to me in the building of your church so that it may thrive in the world. And I will bring it today, God. I will bring it. I'll bring my best. You deserve it. Your church deserves it. It is the hope of the world, I know. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Is it time? How about praying it every day for the next 30 days and just see what God does, see how he speaks to you? Gang, can you imagine if the two billion people in the world today who claim to be Christ followers would pray that morning prayer of surrender every single day and then do as God whispers for them to do? Can you imagine what would happen to his church? Closer to home, can you imagine if the 160,000 leaders who are part of the global summit this year would start every day with a prayer like that and mean it and get up off their knees and join God full on in building his church? My mind can barely grasp what would happen in the church and in the world if all of us were to do this. I do know this. The gates of hell that Jesus mentioned would melt away and the church would prevail in ways the world has never witnessed. We would see demonstrations of supernatural power reminiscent of the church in Acts chapter 2. And I, for one, am aching to see this. And I hope you are as well. So I think the question today is this, what are you building? And who are you building it for? Some of you continue your education, you continue to grow in your leadership skills, but it's not for building God's kingdom, it's for building yours. And today I just want to challenge you. What are you building and who are you building it for? Let's be a church of people that are building our leadership development inside of us so that we can be better prepared to build his kingdom let's be a group of people that say god i want to be the greatest influencer possible so i'm going to go to this august 11th and 12th global leadership summit thing this is the big application piece because i want to become the greatest leader in and tool in your arsenal in your hand to be to be used to build your kingdom guys listen if we care about god's kingdom and we care about building his, his kingdom, then guess what? God will build you. God will influence you. God will change you. God will prepare you for every good and perfect thing that he has for you. But we first have to be caring about building his kingdom. So please, mark August 11th and 12th down, and let's do this thing together. I know it's going to take money. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, Jeff, I mean, you're you're asking right now the Carney campus to step up and you know, be, be sacrificial givers in this Pave the Way campaign to help us make more room for people to come, where we're going to bust two, two new entrances in on the west and put some parking out there, and, and all in the hope of for the future and for the future of what God wants to grow here. And I know that that's a sacrifice. Kim and I, you know, we're going to sacrifice hundreds of dollars every month to see this happen. We're going to be in. We're all in. And I know that out in our North Platte campus, we're asking people right now to make a two-year commitment to help us hire a children's pastor so that we can reach more children, which will help us reach more adults 
all in an effort at the, at the North Platte campus and at the Kearney campus, doing all that we can to make more room to reach more people so that we can be a part of growing his church. And I know, I know that we're asking a lot right now. And so here's what we're willing to do, and here's what we want to do, and here's what, this is a gift that I want to give to you because you guys are such an incredible congregation. Pastor Chris helped us get set up on our website with a special code called Premier 16. If you'll go today, today, before 11.59, tonight at night, and sign up for the Global Leadership Summit, we're going to give it to you for $69. Now you might go, well, that doesn't sound like a great deal. Yeah, well, it's, a 20, it's $20 less than what you'll be able to purchase it for tomorrow. And it's, um, it's about $100 less than what a lot of people are going to purchase it for you know, in the coming months as they want to come to the Global Leadership Summit. And we're going to take this money, this $20 for each of you, and we're going to invest it into you. Because I believe that if we develop you as the spiritual leader that God has designed for you, then God will grow his church. We want to invest that into you. So please, go to mynewlifechurch.com backslash GLS and sign up today and enter the code PREMIER16. Take us up on this gift and let us bless you as we move into this moment. I mean, the Global Leadership Summit doesn't make us any money. It all goes to the Global Leadership Summit. We're just going to tack on 20 bucks for you because we love you and I want to see you become all that God wants for you to be. I want this scripture that I'm going to read in closing. I want this scripture to be said about each and every single one of you in the days weeks and years to come hebrews 13 remember your leaders who taught you the word of god think of all think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith i want it to be said about you that the generations to come would look at you and they would think of you as a leader and they would remember how you taught them what it was like to live a christ-centered life in this world And that they would say about you, I want to follow your example. I want to be like grandma. I want to be like grandpa. I want want to be a leader just like my dad, just like my mom. Let's become people like that that lead a life so worthy of God's calling and so empowered by God's spirit that others would say, how can I live my life? I want to follow in your footsteps. I want to follow you as you follow the ultimate leader, Christ. That's that's what I got for you today. Let's strive to be the best leaders that God has for us. Let's use this time of worship to be a time of responding to God. If you want to come to our altars, come to the altar and kneel down and just go, God, I'm all in, man, I'm all in. I just want want to build your church and not just my little kingdom. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, You are the great leader. You're building your church, your kingdom. Lord, thank you. Thank you that Jeff Baker, this church of imperfect people, can be a part of your process. And that, Lord, you actually want us to be. You you want us to be a part. God, you're inviting us to be a part. You're not pushing us out, but you're trying to empower us. And you're trying to model for us this servant leadership where you minister to our needs so that we'll go out and minister to their needs. God, may we as, we, as we climb the ladders corporately and business and in the places that we work and the greater the title that we get, may we become the greatest servant leader possible. Lord, help us. We need you. You, you, Jesus. You are the ultimate leader. We need you living in us to make us 
you want us to be. Have your way in our lives as we spend these next few moments in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.